Welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast by Focus on the Family Singapore. Family life can be crazy and chaotic, so join us as we figure it out together. Hello and welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast. My name is June and I'm your host for this episode. In today's episode, we will be looking at a common challenge faced by parents tech-related tantrums, or challenging behaviours related to the use of devices by children. As screens become an integral part of our lives, kids often find it hard to strike a balance. How do we navigate the digital landscape safely with our children and raise them up to be digitally savvy and emotionally strong? Today, our guest is none other than Chong EJ, who heads our relations and partnerships team at Focus. You may have heard him hosting some of our podcasts before, and today is interesting we have him on the other end. So welcome, EJ, and thanks for joining us. Tell us, how does it feel being on the hot seat? Hi, June. It's so great to be on the podcast, and this is on a different end. And I must say that it is a very weird and strange feeling. Uh, <laughs> I'm very used to being the host most of the time, doing all the asking and listening to all the wonderful responses from invited guests. But this time around, I have to do most of the speaking while you are asking me the question. But I guess it's a very humbling position to be in because as I take on this role to share perspective, share my experience, I'm once again reminded that beyond my role in my work, whether is it as a counsellor, as a family life educator, I am a father to my son. So I have a eight-year-old son right now and he is growing in this digital adventure land as we navigate it together as well. I guess it's more in the recent years, we talk a lot more about technology. So a little bit of context is for my son in his growing up years, we have, or rather me and my wife, we have tried our very best to provide almost like a digitally sterile environment because our home, we don't have television and being brought up in this environment, we try to minimize exposure to technology, media influences. But I think over the last two years, as he goes into primary school, we have had to catch up a little bit with him because while home may seem quite sterile but mm. I can't keep the influences away from him when he is talking about technology or his friends are talking about technology at the school front at the student cares front yep so I'm on this journey with many of the parents here mm. as well so hope in this podcast this little sharing can encourage if not I guess empathize with everyone that we are on this boat on this journey together as well too yeah we're definitely on this boat together I can hear you and I can almost uh, sense the pain and the tension you know that primary school has begun and there is after school care it's like the floodgates have opened right and then you're like oh dear how do I manage this so okay I think today's topic is really up your alley and I would be really excited to hear some of the things that you have to share thank you for joining us and maybe let's jump right in have you experienced any digitally related tantrums before in your recent parenting experience oh yes I just like every one of us I guess the moment we start allowing our children onto technology, we have to be in a way pre kind of prepared for digital or tech-related kind of tantrums. So in the same way for me and my wife, these last two years, we have been allowing our son a little bit more on technology. Uh, and disclaimer, it has to be because he's on the school's student learning system, the portal, he has to submit homework, he has to be on technology. So after that, there will be times where he gets to watch video, he gets to try out and play some games as well. So we do have had our fair share because we start realize that it's been difficult to prior 
shy him away from the laptop or the iPad because he wants more time. And I begin to experience firsthand for myself, you know, how difficult it is to pry him away from that game when he's playing it halfway. Here am I in workshops telling parents to, you know, <laughs> prevent kids from going to the device. But I am experiencing it for myself. It's not easy. And of course, when he watches his favorite videos on YouTube as well, just pausing it halfway to get him to have some eye breaks that has caused mini commotions on the home front too so tantrums like raising we can hear voice tones being elevated certain words and certain comments being shouted across and of course the low modes behavior as well is something that i have been learning but i would say i have taken on that posture as well to really keep myself calm as i face some of these responses from my eight-year-old mm -hmm. son firstly really not to take it personally but yeah. to realize that that environment that he was immersed in is really quite fun for him him. And me coming in to just either, I haven't pulled the plug yet, thankfully. <laughs> I would say like just putting a stall, a break to it. It is a bit like a pouring a, you know, literally that wet blanket or that cold bucket of water onto him to stop what he enjoys. So I've learned to also put myself in his shoes sometime. And if he reacts, just give him that time to cool down uh, and talk to him. Do you give yourself some time out as well? Like earlier you mentioned trying to stay calm right in the middle of that situation do you give yourself like okay EJ I need to take some time breathe and calm down yes I would say that it's very much needed so by nature I found out a bit more myself as I go through this parenting journey that there's a part of me that is also very impatient especially with my child who often at times may not be so cooperative and I will get very riled up and lose my temper sometimes. So when he does some of these like behaviors that are not very cooperative, not following my instructions, you know, and not being quote unquote automatic to have some stoppages along the way, I will get fired up pretty easily. But I've, again, with the help of my wife as well, you know, we keep an accountability, check each mm. other. You know, she would tell me that, you know, hey, I think this is where she steps in and gives me that five minutes break to cool myself down. So when she is riled up, I will come in to take over for that, uh, just to allow each other some time and space. And I must say, when we give each other and we as parents allow ourselves that space, just even five minutes to calm down, collect our thoughts and our emotions, we will respond better. And this is an analogy that I give myself as well because I talk in visuals and that's how I, I work in my mentality. Yeah? The child is going through a storm at that moment when we try to put a cut or a stop to his internet habits or device mm. usages. And if we come in with all our tempers flying, you know, we are actually growing the storm. We're not trying to calm the storm. So, But when we take a break, take a pause to calm ourselves down, we come in more collected, then we are in a better position and perspective to regulate whatever the child is going through. I think that's a very helpful analogy. The storm of tantrums or disagreements that could arise, you know, yeah. when devices are being used and when limits are sometimes being overstepped. I wonder if we can kind of backtrack a little and tease apart what makes this a digital tantrum? What makes this a screen-related tantrum? What's the difference in the way these play out from like let's say a general tantrum obviously there's a screen related to it but what else yeah so actually tantrum is not new and we in our own growing years we have displayed some of this behavior so we commonly know tantrum as you know the uncontrolled outbursts of like anger frustration typically among young children as they are growing up there are a wide ranging of behaviors i see my own child i see in the course of my work as well it can be things from like whining crying all the way escalating to your screaming kicking hitting even sometimes there are children that I've seen going into like breath holding spells, you know, that affect themselves. So behind all these behaviors that we see, and when I 
converse with my own son too. You know, sometimes I, I get him into this kind of cognitive conversations, you know, right, to have with me. You know, why did he behave the way he behaved? And he tells me that sometimes his tantrums comes because he's trying to accomplish something where the difficulty level of the task is way beyond his skills and abilities. If we're not talking about tech-related matters, it can be that Lego, it can be that homework. And in other cases, it could be sometimes the child finds it hard to express in terms of the words. So they just loosen all their emotions and the floodgates out. So June, you mentioned, you know, so how is this different? You know, the, whatever we know about tantrum behaviors to now we have this big term called the digital tantrums or tech-related tantrums. I guess when we throw digital devices into the mix, it gets really much more complicated and mm. I would say magnified. Because in the first place, sometimes the device for most modern parents like us today is actually quite a lifesaver. I don't know about you, but I sometimes in a much needed moment when parents ourselves need a little bit of breathing space, a little bit of a break, some sanity, you boom, put one device out in front <laughs> of the child. Wow, you experience the kind of silence you never <laughs> experienced before. The quietness, the calmness that you've been seeking. The child somehow becomes very compliant in the behavior. They will eat their food. The family can have a peaceful meal time without any quarrels. And sometimes the whole device thingy can become a very effective, I would say like a reward for the child to get their cooperation. But the moment we remove the device, wow, you'll probably see a never seen before kind of meltdown, fights and quarrels. I mean, thankfully, I've never seen my household and I don't wish to see my household. But in the course of my work in social service and in counselling, I have seen some really very terrible situations where there were fights, there were quarrels that actually happens. I would say in terms of digital related tantrums, some really common sites, behaviours that we might notice would include like the child refuses to comply with screen time limits and I've witnessed it in my own home when I said, alright son, five more minutes, five more minutes and the five minutes become 10 minutes, 15, half an hour and if I don't put a foot down to it, it just keeps extending. Second common site we might see is probably no motivation to do other kinds of work other than playing games or watching videos on the devices. When they're on there, they're like, ooh, wow, you know, full of bustling with energy. But the moment you get them to do something else, housework, homework, any kind that's related to a work, they're dragging their feet, they're whining, they're complaining. My son does a lot of that as yeah, well. My kids do that too, <laughs> yeah. so you're definitely not alone there. <laughs> yeah, and I think one of the third most common ones as well we have seen in the work that I do and sometimes in my own child is very demanding behavior. So this is this has moved past the point of the whining and uh, complaining, but now they demand it. I recall vividly once I was at a bus stop waiting for a bus and there was this little child sitting in a stroller, you know, looking quite like a toddler kind of age, you know. And although this just in that particular site that I saw, I don't understand the full context of the family relationship, but the child was like screaming at the mom and demanding for a phone, demanding for her to surrender and give her her phone for the child to use. And the moment the mom resisted and said no, the child just go into that meltdown mode, created a scene at the whole public space. Mm. This sounds pretty in a challenging, difficult situation, but maybe I think some of the listeners we can attest to it is something that we face on the home front as well. Yeah, although it can sound quite extreme, you know, like a big tantrum or meltdown in a public space. I think it's also kind of like a rite of passage. Like almost every parent has experience some level of this in their parenting journey so okay no judgment here right yes. we are all in this together and we all have to learn from our experiences as well as our mistakes so maybe this is also for my benefit but what are some strategies that we can adopt and use when we are face to face with such a digital related tantrum well when it comes to strategies I always feel that for parents we have to number one is really to be aware of what is the situation we are facing 
facing then. A lot of times when parents face the digital tantrums, they often paint a very negative image in their mind. Oh, that's it. My child, my boy, my girl, he or she is addicted. So don't go into that mode. If you have read enough research articles and talked to many of the professionals, children at a young age, we don't use the word addiction to label them. They are too young because they're still growing cognitively, developing. They're still in the early stage of development. So we don't diagnose them with addiction. What I would say is that they have probably over the years developed a sense of unhealthy dependency on the device. So that now when you try to retract it away, put a cut to it, now that's when the tantrum starts happening. Be very aware this is not addiction. This is probably due to some long-term and, un, well, I would say like unhealthy conditioning that has happened. So there is hope. So that first perspective taking from a parent's awareness is very important. There is hope if you want to reverse the situation. It may be tough, but it's not impossible. There is hope. And so the parents and the family environment does play a very huge factor in helping to do this, what we call a bit like reconditioning to get them back and lessen the tantrum. So it starts with that first thing to have that sense of awareness. Number two, I think it's important to come back again to setting agreements. Now, agreements regarding rules, regarding boundaries, regarding consequences. I had to do this when my son entered primary one and he started asking me for iPads, starting asking me for access to laptop because on the context that he has to do for learning his mm -hmm. SLS. But I was brought back to this reminder that before we allow our children into this digital wild, wild west kind of world, we need to put the structure and the rules in place. It's a bit like a football game, right? I always say, in every football game, before you start, the referee has to be in place first. Mm -hmm. If you start a football game without the referee, everybody does, does their own thing, anyhow tackle, and the game just runs in madness. So in the same way, before they are allowed to enter the device, using it, watching things, you know, set the ground rules. For example, how much time are we allowed? Is it 10 minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour, depending on the age? And, and parents must set it in agreement with our children. However, I do want to advise one thing is that when we talk about time, we all know that children at their young age, whether they're in the kindies, whether they're in their very lower primary, the concept of time is very difficult to grasp. That's why five minutes become 10 and 15 and so forth. Right. And so it just flies by. So it's better to measure so-called time in terms of quantity, I would say. One mm. video, two games. It's more measurable, I guess, for the child itself. And it's easier for us parents to keep track, right? When you notice that the show is coming, the game is nearing the end, you can prep them, all right? Mm. There's, it's coming the end already, huh? all right? The, this part is where it's going to end. So be prepared. You can mm. prep them for the end and the transition. Examples of boundaries could be when they could use the device after school, but not just after school, right? They need to do the priority stuff like homework. When where can they use the device? I think that's very important because that's where parents are in the know. I ask, so I, I tell my child, you want to use and do your learning? Yes, at our table, uh, mm. the communal table that we use so that mm. mom and dad knows what's happening and the sound cannot be muted. Thirdly, how about what kind of content can they access? If it's this video, then just watch this video. Make sure the autoplay is not on mm. and anytime yeah, they it need doesn't to. keep going on and yeah, on, yeah. on, right? Yeah, because nowadays the content just keeps snowballing, you know. So if they need to, they want a new video, they have to ask mom and dad to come over. Examples of consequences. Like it or not, children will at times fail to keep the rules or the boundaries, all right? So in my house, me and my son, we have this three-strike rule kind of agreement. So if you didn't abide by the rules or went off the boundary and I found out about it, there's a first warning. Second chance, I still give you a little warning, but by the third time you do it, then that's when everything was stop all right then the next session either the time gets cut shorter 
or we will remove that uh, mm -hmm. this benefit of screen time. Mm -hmm. So all these are communicated beforehand. What my son, so my son is a talker. Yeah? He, I have an eight-year-old boy, but he talks like a young adult, all right? Uh, so he takes after <laughs> you, EJ. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so he actually told me that whenever I have some consequences dished out, you know, for example, I keep away the laptop that he's not allowed to use or no video. He will always ask me, until when? Until when? And that gives me a thought that, hey, you know, actually in our consequence, maybe it's also good to bring out that there's a time frame to it or there's a particular behavior you hope to see before it, you allow that privilege mm. to come back again. So sometimes mm. if parents need to say no access to the videos or the game, is it a few days? Is it a week? Mm. Because if there's no duration, there's no end in mind, uh, I realize that it further demotivates mm. the child. Or some parents will just say, you're not allowed screens forever. Forever. Wow. You know, that, that, this is like a threat, right? You yeah. Know? Yeah. So it really dampens the whole mood and there's no mm. motivation to get the behavior right. It focuses on punishing the wrong, but it doesn't promote what is the good behavior or the right behavior that we want to see. That's the second strategy I, I feel like agreement. The third strategy that I often use is to explain the reason because behind every rules, the boundaries, there has to be reasons, the why behind the agreement. And something that I personally try to do a lot is explaining the why to attach it with a value, to explain that, for example, when you flout this rule, there's a consequence. You're not allowed to use or watch the video for two days. And that's because your action has not been respectful to what we agreed on. So there is a value that is attached behind it. And I think it's worthwhile while the child is young to bring it across so that they will know that it's not just some punishment, you know, heavy laden digital cane that comes down, mm. you know, mm. but there is a value mm. that we want to see. And I think lastly, something that has really helped me that I thought I wanted to share a strategy with everyone is that try to have a transition after this digital usage that the child is on. We must know that when they use digital, right, they're sitting in front of the TV, they're sitting in front of the iPad or the computer, it's very sedentary. From I'm an engineer by training, so I think in terms of science, yeah, there's a lot of stored energy right now. There's a lot of potential energy waiting to be unleashed. Okay, and uh, so if you don't have a transition activity, where do they unleash the activity? Unleash on us. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they start doing all the funny things at home, you know, and then we get even more upset, right? So <sighs> ideally, we try. If you can, let them go out for a playground time, you know, do some grocery runs. So if you just go out and expand the energy. And in that process, talk about what they watch talk about what they just played. Mm. It serves as a good transition to ease them out of what they were enjoying just now. It doesn't become just like an immediate cut off, but they can slowly transit uh, out of it. And I think it's also worthwhile doing this kind of talking conversation because well, these are good conversation starters, right? That parent-child can have to better understand the child's world. Wow, those are great tips. Yeah, I think I picked up some that I might actually start putting in use at home with my boys. <laughs> yeah, I think what I'm hearing from you is that as parents, we also need to be aware and focus on thoughts that are a bit more helpful to ourselves in terms of keeping ourselves calm and able to really see the situation in its context and not escalate it to something that's, well, like catastrophic and going to be like damaging to the child or, or myself, right? And also like setting of boundaries is very important. I really like your three strike idea. Yeah, it gives them like sufficient chances right to oh okay I think uh, yeah I better get this right daddy or mommy has reminded me already
already. And lastly, you talked about like promoting or encouraging the behavior you want to see rather than just dishing out the consequence and then they kind of don't learn as easily, you know, if you don't reinforce actually what you want to see them practicing and attaching a value like respect or even like integrity to it, right? So they learn that, oh, okay, there's a reason behind daddy or mommy setting all these boundaries and rules. They want me to grow as in my personhood and in my character. Yeah, so really jam-packed with gems, EJ. So thanks so much for sharing all your tips and, you know, it, I can really see that it's come out from your practical experience being a hands-on dad to your son. This sort of leads me to the next point that I hope to wrap up on, you know, this part about parental behavior and parental role modeling. So how much do you think our behaviors and our own tech habits actually influence our children's behavior and choices? What have you sort of seen in your family and how do you remind yourself to stick to these healthy tech habits at home? Yeah, I think parental modeling is really important because children at this young age, and I say this both from the course of my work and also as a dad myself, at this young age, they really look up to adults and they literally follow what you do. But behind it, they are also questioning as well. So if you say this family time is important, but then when you're with us, now whenever my son, do I really demonstrate that it is important? Do I show that it's important? The moment I bring out my device, the moment I bring out my iPad, you know, I'm actually sending him two kinds of message. One mm. is that the work I'm doing is very important. But what worries me most when during my own personal reflection was that am I sending him the message that my work is more important than him? That's why when I'm playing with him, I am actually replying email. I mean, those in my early days of parenting, it is really important because if they catch that kind of mindset, then as they grow up, when they have their own devices or when they're in their own playtime, they won't want to interact with us. They're just in their own world because they've seen us do it before. So yeah, I personally believe that modeling is really important. So I try my very best. I really disclaimer, just like every one of us, I also struggle as a working dad and trying to juggle sometimes urgency of the work and also the importance of being there with mm -hmm. my son as well. But what me and my wife, we have been really trying to do is that whenever we have family time, be it it's games time, I mean, activity times or is it meal times, we really refrain from using our devices and use those time to purposely communicate, to converse, to have interaction. And this really focus on our actions, actions in terms of like, I refrain from having my devices. But annoyingly, as I begin doing it, you know, initially it was really tough. It was really tough. I couldn't get used to it. There was always that subconscious thing. I need to reach out into my pocket to hold my phone. It was like <laughs> that, that phantom uh, vibration. You know, I, I was just thinking that there were notifications coming about who I wanted to, to check it. Uh, but slowly, I think it really takes time to condition ourselves to not be touching our devices, to be focused on our children, our family, and talking to them, engaging them. But I realized that once I got used to it, right, I became more intentional. And I realized that I transited from just being so conscious of my actions, of what to do and what not to do, to be more intentional to be the dad to my son, to be immersed in being silly, roughhousing, playing, being attentive to him, hearing him as well. You know, as parents, right, we can be there in person looking at the child and saying that we are hearing, but actually we're not hearing. <laughs> we are half hearing, you know, because half of our brain is devoted to thinking about what is that next email coming in? Later I have something to do in my That's work. That's me, uh. EJ. <laughs> <laughs> we are all guilty of that, June. Yeah, we have to keep practicing so that we transit over to being intentional. We talk about a lot of times about being intentional parents. And I think being intentional parents really is about being there with them, enjoying that uh, particular moment. It doesn't come easy. 
honestly. Mm. It takes mm. a lot of practice. So I guess when we are doing that, we are also modeling, talk about parental modeling. We're modeling to our children that, hey, not only is the child, you no, know, you are important, but the family time and the environment that we all crafted out together is important. I place value in this. That's why the other things can wait. But now I am here. We are here together. Well, I think hearing you share that, right? Two words sort of come to mind. The first word is the intention, making that very intentional decision to value family, to value that relationship building, that process of paying attention to your child. The second word that comes to mind is choice. The fact that what I find personally encouraging from hearing you share today is that we are given all these opportunities every single day to make a choice. And that is, we want to make that choice to prioritize a certain time shared with our children, whether it's just hearing them out after a rough day or, you know, just giving them some practical support with some difficult homework that they've gotten for the day, right? And every day we have this many, many opportunities to exercise this choice. And even if certain days we really have to deal with something at work and it's really urgent, then that's fine. We can explain it right to our family and seek that support and understanding because we are also human and we can't you know sort of just throw everything aside and <laughs> cater to them every time as well but if we have made enough choices to be there and to be present with them I think that gives us so much more freedom in a sense to negotiate this time with family and time at work or with our other responsibilities so thank you EJ I, I personally feel very uplifted not just all the practical tips but really the heart behind all the this is really choosing to prioritize our relationships, choosing to prioritize our family. Do you have any encouraging words or last words to share with our listeners before we let you go? Well, I guess I want to encourage all fellow parents, this digital playground or this digital journey that we are on is not going to go away. It's going to, it's here to stay. So what we really got to do is take that step of faith, that leap of faith, jump on this digital adventure together with your children. It's worthwhile. You know, some of us may be feeling very scared, apprehensive, but jump on it. And as you jump on it, have a lot of conversations with your children because they are, in terms of the know-how, way ahead than all of us. Seize those opportunities, have conversations, and this journey will be full of learning, unlearning, relearning, and, <laughs> and just enjoy it, even though sometimes we are not comfortable. But keep the end in mind, knowing that as you do all this learning, unlearning, relearning, calibrating, recalibrating, it will work out for you and I as parents, our good for the family. It won't go to waste. At the end of the day, you will really see, maybe it's really like, for example, the empathy between you and your child increases, understanding is increases. You will only see this maybe in a few years time, but it's worthwhile taking this digital adventure with your children. So don't give up, press on. Just like computer games, right? <laughs> Sometimes we lose the computer game, but we keep on trying. So it's mm. in that spirit. Thank you. Thank you, EJ. And indeed, we are all on this journey together, right? So for those tuning in, we trust that you've really benefited from this episode with EJ sharing from his experience as a dad. And we hope that you feel more confident knowing how to navigate tech-related tantrums and even have some ideas on some small preemptive steps you can take towards setting up that healthy tech habits at home. For more parenting resources, do visit our website at www.family.org.sg And as always, do keep tuning in to the Paranet Podcast. We hope to see you next time. Bye!